0: Welcome to this Sunday Morning Meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. I'm going to get to sharing with you about hope this morning. Thanks, guys. Heaven's hope, the passage I'm going to, is called in here. Uh, This is the Passion Translation. It's great to use. It's more of a commentary in many respects than just straight scripture, but it's really Uh, really encouraging, and it really gets you to look at things in a different way. But always use it with something else. However, I'm going to start in a minute with the the reading from our Putting on Christ. And that today is from Matthew 25. But even before we get to that, I've been showing you church hunters. Well, at least I've shown you two episodes of church hunters. Uh, it's, It's the same crew. It's kind of what happens if you take what they were doing to its logical conclusion. Although, I realized as I was, because I've been planning to show this anyway, in the light of what's happening at the moment, it takes on a slightly different feel, but never mind. Um, Because that couple, if you remember, they were trying to choose a church based on their needs. Do you remember? You were awake. (laughs) Trying to choose a church based on their needs. And if all we choose, that, that is not answering the call of Jesus. I need something where I can meet my needs. We go to meet, not really meet God's needs, but to serve him. Now, in serving him, our needs will be met. But we don't get our needs met so that we can serve. As we surrender to him, as we pick up the cross, we will know and experience and live in all the good stuff, all the glory that that Jesus has to offer. So they're constantly just trying to... uh, It's like turning what church is on its head. Church is a gathering of the rebellious, the rebellious against the darkness, the rebellious against the devil, the rebellious against the world. It's a militant group of people that say, we're not just agreeing with where the world is, we have something that we believe. We won't just say yes to you because actually this is truth. And sometimes it's really difficult truth. In today's world, there are certain things we hold dear that aren't understood at all. And if we're not careful, we just come across as harsh and unloving, but we still cannot compromise what we believe. Nor do we have to bash people over the head with it either, since Jesus ministered with love and acceptance. But before we get there, let's watch this next episode of uh, the style of church that this chap is seeking. Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. <laughs> Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of <laughs> Now you can see why I thought twice about showing it <laughs> Given the current climate and, and some places around the world churches are are not meeting this morning because they can't, so <laughs> our response has got to be one of faith, not fear, hasn't it? There's, there's, there's so much fear uh, over, the, over coronavirus at the moment. And whatever's going on in the world, and there's far many worse things happen at different times, our only response can be to trust God and have faith in God and behave sensibly. If you have got your spare room full of loo rolls, <laughs> you're Australian. But apparently it's over here now. New Zealand and Australia have now brought in a new policy of everybody traveling to their nation will go into two weeks quarantine, which a stroke is killing off their tourist industry, which is 8% of the business of New Zealand. So that's going to have a massive, massive effect. And at the moment, it's a very small number of people in New Zealand that are not well. I don't want to get into a debate of what's correct and what's wrong, but whatever's going on, we've got to have faith. I mean, actually, to be honest, it doesn't take much faith at this moment to think I'm going to be safe from coronavirus in Scarborough today. It's not here. I think there's two cases in in, in North Yorkshire. It, it, there, there's got to be a sensible approach, but the sensible approach, the faith approach, neither is it the one uh, of, of one American pastor with a TV ministry that was pub- is publicly saying, as far as I know, certainly was this week, that... Uh, those who use hand gels are ju- and wash their hands are sissies and pansies because we're just going to trust God. What nonsense. And really, I'd rather not go around his church if he doesn't even wash his hands after going to the toilet because that's just the same thing, isn't it? You know, you, you, you have faith and you trust God, but you still behave sensibly. G- good parents uh, pray for their children, for their safety and their health and their protection, don't they? But they don't then say, so go and play in the traffic if you like, love. Dance in front of a few buses as they thunder down the road at 30 miles an hour. It's all right, I've been praying for you. You teach them to how to safely cross the road and how to watch for traffic. Faith doesn't mean idiocy. Okay, we're not idiots. We are sensible people and we take sensible precautions according even to the way the world of looking at it at the level of risk there is out there. We don't just do stupid things, but also we'll follow the advice and pray. So, you know, if you do get a persistent cough, it's probably a good idea to self-isolate, even if you feel fine. Because the thing is, it's trying to get people to think like community-minded, that stuff. There was another thing in a, a young American uh, saying that they didn't, you didn't need to bother with self-isolating because it was only going to kill old people. Great. That's nice. What, what, a, what a nice guy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's sadly mistaken as an American anyway because one of the risk factors is obesity. So America needs to be really careful because that's a big problem. It's a problem all over the Western world, but America is, it particularly is a problem. So yes, we'll take sensible precautions. And I want to give you the, the, the freedom now, that if in future, you're, you, well, certainly if you've got uh, symptoms, don't come to church. It's okay. Don't brave it out and cough over all of us. <laughs> we won't thank you. <laughs> you know, it's okay not to come, particularly if you're in a risk group. If you've got a respiratory disease or another disease and you know, I'm not talking now. I'm talking in the months to come. And by May, this will be peaking in our nation. And there might be decisions like that. We might even be asked to stop meeting, as in some countries. Well, we'll have a strategy, and we'll have plans for that. We already put all our messages online. If necessary, and we don't have any meetings, I'll put our messages online. And we'll, we'll be able to access them maybe on YouTube and Facebook. You know, that they will be there. This would be a good time. I know many people don't like Facebook, but remember that there is a Kingdom Faith Yorkshire Facebook page. You don't even have to be a member of Facebook to look at it. And that would be a good idea, as times move forward, to keep an eye on there, because that's how we can communicate. And if you are part of Facebook, and maybe you just are for this, it does mean we can talk to each other as well very easily. It's a common forum, okay? So if you don't know anything about that or how to find it, talk to somebody that does. You don't have to join it, though, to see the page. It just means it can be there. It can say, we've put a message up on YouTube, here's the link. Or we've talked about other things. Or, you know, if there's a, as in some countries, there's a limit on only 50 people in a meeting. We'll tell you what we're doing about that. We'll probably go to two short meetings to enable us to have, get everybody through on a Sunday morning. But we'll respond sensibly, but with faith. Amen? We're not planning to go to virtual reality church, though. Sorry. I don't know if you've already bought your headset in anticipation. Do you really want me large and 3D in your eyeballs, you know? <laughs> Besides, you wouldn't be able to see what jacket I'm wearing. You do want me large and in your eyeballs. Thank you, Josie. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about more than one meter close in virtual reality. It's like me talking to you like this. Hi, Josie. Have you been sinning this week? Have you repented yet? (laughs) 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 Sorry, that was closer than the meter too. (laughs) No, we we need to laugh and joke about it, but we also need to take it seriously. Nor do we just say, oh, well, by faith we'll ignore everything. You know, we do need to be wise, uh, but not fear, but faith. Trusting in God, a bit like David's word was just now. Yeah? Now... That picture and the, and the way we've seen it grow through the different episodes of that, the first one where they were trying one church, then they were trying another church, it's quite significant there's no girlfriend with him anymore. <laughs> I don't think that's intentional, but to me it's significant. He's now found the perfect church that fits his every needs. He can sleep through church. He doesn't have to get out the building. He's totally, he's a made-up character, but he's totally forgotten the purpose of who we are and what we are. So what should we be doing at this time? Well, one of the things that God has given us at this time is actually this. This is part of what we're doing right now. And, and, and it's, it's here in this reading. I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, and I'm not going to spend that long on it, but let me read it because I think it's so relevant. Um, it's actually talking about being ready for the second coming of Jesus. But as with all scripture, when you read stuff, God talks to you about all sorts of things, of where you are and what you're doing. Um, So this is Jesus talking to the people. At the time my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom realm, this is Matthew 25, can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil. For their lamps. Five of them were wise and sensible, for they took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. Let's just say right at the beginning, the wise ones took extra. Right? They didn't expect God to miraculously provide. Jesus is saying, plan and be wise and be sensible. Take the extra oil. Well, what is this oil? Oil in Scripture is all about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand and receive the word of God, which feeds us and makes us strong. Okay? Let's read on. When the bridegroom didn't come as they expected, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. It's so easy... When you have things that you're waiting on God to see happen and they don't happen to grow spiritually or even physically drowsy and fall asleep. How many of you in a personal prayer time have ever fallen asleep? I just want you to look around the room, okay, in case you've ever felt bad about that. (laughs) It happens. I don't think actually God is that bothered. You know, you're, you're in his presence, you're his child and you've fallen asleep in the father's arms. I mean, it's lovely, isn't it? Not that we should practice just falling asleep. (laughs) A new form of prayer, we're all just going to fall asleep with our virtual reality uh, things on, headsets. They all grew drowsy and fell asleep when suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up! The bridegroom is here. Come out and have an encounter with him. There's going to be times in our lives, there's going to be times in the life of this church when there is sudden change that we weren't necessarily expecting because God is a God who does change stuff. Now, he doesn't change, but he certainly causes change to enable us to understand him more. When, and, and, and Jesus arrives on the scene. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Something dramatic happens. There's a virus hits the world. And the church has to respond at that moment, not scrabble around looking for something. And there's going to be challenges on the road ahead just in the health and needing things in this country. But more importantly, there's a challenge for us ahead That's because there's going to be more and more opportunity here in this church for people to take on what God has been saying to you. I'm, I'm about raising up more people and more people making decisions and, and running with what God has. God has not got me here to lead you lot. We are here to run as the team. I'm here to be the senior leader, yes, but not to always just be the one, certainly not all the one that does it all. It's about raising up others. It's also not about me handing everything over, particularly at this time, it will be at one time. It's about equipping one another. And then as we equip one person, they learn to equip someone else. It's the, it's the whole thing behind the first encounter thing, isn't it? That one person is working with another person. And do you know what? Whatever level of leadership that you're in, you always feel not good enough to sow into the people that are around you. It can be one to one in a discipleship situation and you feel like I haven't got enough here. I can't really do this. I'm not a perfect Christian. You can preach to a group of 100 people feeling and I do quite often, it's just normal. I'm not good enough for this. What have I got? What can I? You can preach to 6,000 and you feel the same. So when you feel like I'm not good enough, don't think that you're not good enough. You're just the same as everybody else, but it has to go from fear to faith, it has to go from doubt to belief, it has to go from trusting in self to trusting in God. Now, these 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 ladies, as is in this parable, these maidens, they've all got lamps. They've all got lamps with oil. This is not about people who've wandered away from God and aren't really doing very much. This is about Christians who are full of the Holy Spirit. They've got oil. They're not dead. They're not not going anywhere. These are Christians who've got a lamp that's lit. Yes, I think that's English. Yeah, a light would be better. And correct. So all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps. They're all, in one sense, ready, but for five of them, their reserves of spirituality, their reserves of what they have prepared themselves in God for what is about to come are low. How do you make sure you're not low? Well, gatherings, but more than gatherings. Readings, praying, fasting, you know, developing your walk with God. At the, at that analogy of a journey its not really an analogy. It's what we are doing with Jesus. We're walking with him. And yeah, occasionally we sit down on a bench and have a bit of a rest. And then Jesus says, come on, let's, let's get on. It's great over this hill. You should see what's on the other side. But Sometimes they walk up the hill. Oh, And sometimes you go through the valley as well. That's what Psalm 23 is. Even though I walk through the valley of darkness or the valley of death. But you see on the other side of the valley is the the peak and the mountaintop. You've got to go through that valley to get there. There are valleys we go through. All of us will go through valleys. But the sun is shining on the other side of the valley. And when we go through that valley, the Lord is our shepherd. He will not leave us. We shall still not be in need. I shall not want. When, not you at primary school just thought, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, never understood it. Why won't I want him? That's all I ever thought. There was another one. I think it's in, Old Jesus, I have promised. There's a line, I want to follow Julie. And I never really did understand why we would got to follow Julie. <laughs> That's genuinely true. <laughs> why are we following Julie and not Jesus? I never really understood that. Julie, D-U-L-Y, in case you're not following me. Yeah. We will come out the other side of the valley, but what the Lord promises in Psalm 23 is there's a table spread with all his goodness. Everything we will need. And, the, and in a sense, we're even just mocking the enemy, because the picture is, is, is of armies lined up, and the king is sat at his table enjoying breakfast despite the enemy on the other side, because he has everything he needs. Enjoy your breakfast. The enemy might be lined up on the hills opposite in his thousands, but he's lost. Anyway, back to the ladies, the women, the maidens, the virgins, depending on your version. Get up, the bridegroom is here. Come out and have an encounter with him. So all the girls got up, trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. Don't be the foolish ones. So they said to the five wise ones, share your oil with us because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for all of us. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. What a mean bunch. No, the reason is nobody can supply this oil for you. That's the whole thing. This preaching right now is part of what enables you to receive the Holy Spirit. But I can't receive the Holy Spirit for you. Even if I I pray and lay hands on you. Yes, there, there is a release of blessing. There is a release of anointing. There's a release of the Holy Spirit. But it's not the oil that will keep you burning. It's what you do. I mean, that old song, it's a little bit wrong, you know. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Remember that one? Maybe you don't. Maybe I'm just old. I think it's from the 1950s, actually. But it's a little bit that's wrong in that. You're saying, God, give me the oil. God, give me the oil. It's it's your duty to be in the place where the oil is being poured over. It's your responsibility to make sure the lamp is full. You say, well, isn't it grace? Yes, grace supplies the oil, but you have to be in the place. You don't even need to ask God to supply the oil. If you're there, he's pouring it. (coughs) So, while the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him and the wedding party to enjoy the feast, and then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us in. But he called back, go away. Don't I know, I don't, do I know you? I can assure you, I don't even know you. And that is the reason you should stay awake and be alert, because you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will appear." Don't read too much into it, it's, just a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parable about being ready. And that if you're not ready, you will miss everything that God has for you. See, I didn't think that was possible. Of course it's possible. You can miss the best. Now, God is amazing, and his grace is such that if you've missed the best at different times in your life, he already knew that was going to happen, and he's still got things for you. But why, why doddle around in that? Don't you want the best? That's what this is about. It's not that it's just this, it's about a relationship, but a relationship comes from knowing. And reading the Word of God is what enables you to know God. You know, so many people have got, they spend more time on social media than they do reading their Bible. So, yeah, of course. Really? Have we ever thought about, well, what are we filling up on then? Now I'm not saying your Bible reading will replace all your media watching and everything else. I'm not because that's unlikely. But it's worth thinking about. Where's this balance? What watch? You know, how? What have I taken in today? What's actually fed me today? If we just get fast food, we get fat, not healthy. If you only read every day with Selwyn Hughes, all those books, they're good. They're good starters, but. You can go further. You can read more of the word rather than just somebody's thoughts of the word. Anyway, so we're just going to finish having looked at that and getting our oil ready. Let's look then at Heaven's Hope as it's headed in my Bible here. It's the book of Colossians. We're not doing the whole book of Colossians. Have a sigh of relief. Let's just look at some of the truths that right now, we are basking in. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of what's going on, this is what we have. So, right now, sitting where you are, just picture yourself, as, we, as I read some of this word, and it's like God, if, if you just receive by faith, God will pour this oil on you healing, health, peace, joy. Even as we read this word, sicknesses can go as you receive the Holy Spirit, as you receive His healing anointing. As we read this word, financial issues that are going on in your life, receive His provision. Some of you are really stressed and and just overworked and feeling quite lost compared to where you know you've been. Let the Holy Spirit fill you right now. This morning, the Lord wants you back in that safe place that David mentioned. It's so easy to wander out of the safe place. This is Paul writing to the Christians in No, Colossae, which is why we call it the letter to the Colossians. And Paul says that since we first heard about you, we've always kept you in our prayers, that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now listen to this word, because this is God speaking to his church through the ages. Making you reservoirs, which comes through the oil of the Holy Spirit, of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Want to know how to bring your kids up? Get into Jesus. Want to know how to work out these issues? Get into Jesus. Get wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's just the beginning, though. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you will become fruit-bearing branches, yielded to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in all his fullness. You've got to walk in his ways, though. Sure, there's always mercy, there's always grace, But if you want to know the fruitfulness that God wants to see in you, it's about walking in his righteousness, which means walking in the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to saturate you and change you. Not you changing yourself, And then you'll be fruitful. More fruitful than we've ever been before. It's not just about individuals bearing fruit. It's about us bearing fruit together. The strength of the forest is so much more than the individual tree. And then you will know God in all his fullness. I mean, I won't ask for hands to go up because I can't see that anybody who isn't in this room doesn't want to know God more fully. We all do, don't we? Why would, It would be pointless to be anything else. Well, God wants to give you that experience of knowing him more fully. He can't know you more fully because he already knows you in every single way possible. The only thing that stops us from knowing God is us not responding to him. We pray that you would be energized with his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory filling you with great hope. One of the reasons that the world is is full of, of fear and anxiety is there is no hope. We have a sure and certain hope. We know where we're going to go. We know that God is with us. We know that if we mess up, we can come to God and be forgiven. We know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from everything, enabling us to live as the children of God, living in the fullness of God. which fills us with great hope. There's nothing better for turning around situations of fear and anxiety than putting your hope in God. You begin to realize, that's my future. God's never going to let me down. God's never not going to be with me. There's nothing that can destroy everything I am in God's hands. My family is in God's hands. My life is in God's hands. Your hearts can soar, that's a great way of putting it. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. God made you worthy. God made you worthy. He doesn't just give it to you because he has to. He's made you worthy of it. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That's a lie from the pit. You are made worthy. That's what Jesus did. Everyone in this room that says, Oh, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Be my Lord and my Saviour. It's God says, Yes, and now I make you worthy to stand in my presence. You're not standing, you're not sort of like got a special backstage pass, I'm okay for a short period of time. You've been made worthy. Why? Because he loves you. God so loved the, the, the most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loved, so he gave, so that we should receive, so that we could go back to him. He so loved the world. He didn't, he, he didn't just. Some people, I think they could almost rewrite the verse for God so hated everybody in the world and the sin that was there that he felt he better do something about it, so he had to send his son. That's how some. People think the gospel is. God didn't drudgingly, or begrudgingly, I think is the right word, begrudgingly send his son. The Trinity together, in unity together, the sun will go, we have a rescue plan because we love those people and we're not just going to switch off a switch, we're going to say come on into my presence, we are making you worthy by the blood of Christ. When you stand before the throne, you're not there hoping God doesn't find out some things, he knows the lot and says you're here, this is your place, you are worthy, this is where you belong. You belong in heaven, you are a citizen of heaven, you are a subject to the king of heaven, and as the king of kings and the lord of lords, I knight you because you are now a king and a priest in my kingdom. What joy! What authority we have! This is what, you know, if we really, if sometimes when we just really get this, and it's like, when the joy should hit us, it's like, yes, this is true! So much stuff gets plonked on top of it in, in our daily lives and feelings just start to overwhelm us. But let that hope of glory rise up in you again and say, I don't care about coronavirus. I've got Jesus. I'm not trusting in the newspapers or the BBC or Sky News. I'm going to trust God. He will see me and my family through this as through everything else. I will trust him. He is my provider. If things are hard and difficult, I will go through them. Some members of our church, uh, this week, their, their family members or they themselves are facing operations in church, in, in, in hospital, not in church. <laughs> be an unusual church. Ron has an operation this week. Dan has an operation this week. Ron's George has an operation this week. We want to pray peace and blessing and a release of hope into the families. Why? Because we are a kingdom of priests and we have the, the kingly authority to send what the priests do. What the priests do, they pray and they release the things of God in this world. They pray and the angels take their requests to God and they come back again like Jacob's ladder and the things of God are released here on this earth. It's not a time to retreat and hide. It's a time to be bold and alive. It's a time to say, yes, there is that, but do you know there is a hope that you can be sure of? There is an anchor that you can cling to and you will not move. Come on. I'm loving the support some of you guys are giving me. Listen to this. Listen, I love this next bit. Let's get this in our (laughs) noggins. I'm going to read the verse before because it it, it works better with that. Your hearts can soar, this is the one I read, with joyful gratitude when you think of how God has made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us, not begrudgingly, by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. You do not belong in darkness. And translated us, that's like the transfiguration. If you know your Bibles and you've read the story of the transfiguration where Jesus is with his disciples and they're transfigured in the presence and they're like, "Woo!" you know, and Peter wants to build tents because it's so amazing. Well, you get transfigured too. You get the ready bread glow has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. You have been transfigured, translated. You are not in darkness, you are in light. The darkness cannot get on the light. No man of darkness can snuff light. Light snuffs darkness. You are on the victorious side. You are on the winning team. But sometimes you've just got to keep going. <laughs> If you're walking right now, right through some of that brown stuff, don't sit down. (laughs) Get out of it. Get through the valley to the other side. For in the sun, all, all, all our sins are cancelled. And we have the release of redemption through his Blood, all your sins, the ones you've committed, the ones you committed yesterday, today, the ones you will commit, are already covered and paid for. There's no sin that you can go out and commit and God say, oh, we should have paid for that one. That's a bit expensive. It's done. You cannot outsin the righteousness of Jesus. It's outrageous that anyone. Even despicable things could be done. But forgiveness is there. But the good news is, you are not of the despicable anyway. You are just us, wrong with God. And God says, yeah, you're wrong with me. Thank you for believing in my son. Let's cancel that then. No. It's like you've got a massive, massive debt at the bank. And you walk in, they said, we've canceled it. You're free to go. You owe us Nothing. You do not have to pay yourself for the bad things you've done. You might have done some terrible things. It's not down for you to pay for them. Now, if you've done things wrong and you've stolen property, yes, go and return it. If you've been unkind and cruel and gossiped, stop it. If you're playing around with adultery or a wrong relationship, cut it off. But forgiveness is there for you. Not forgiveness so you can just go on having a sin time, but forgiveness to enable you to be free from that. The focus is not sin. The focus is we are in God's presence. The focus is the joy. The only only reason for mentioning the sin is because people can live in it in guilt and fear and everything else. And actually, Jesus says, I've got an answer for that. You are worthy. A lot of root, again, of fear and anxiety that is plaguing the Western world is a lack of feeling worthy because all hope is being taken from the world. States have replaced God. People used to trust in God. Now they trust in in the state. And then they feel let down by presidents and prime ministers. Of course, they're just human beings. Our trust is in God. We're not English, British, Scottish, Irish... Um, Welsh, We're citizens of heaven that are living like aliens in this land, the word says. If our identity is coming from our national identity, you need to get it sorted because you're not that identity. You are a citizen of heaven. And if what I'm saying is making you feel a little bit offended, then go to God with it. Because if we are offended when someone says that's not your identity, then it shows us that it is and how strong it is. Can you enjoy being English? Of course you can. But it's not your identity. Shona doesn't enjoy being English. (laughs) Now, Jossie gave me a look when I said that. (laughs) It's like they just said, I've never enjoyed being English. (laughs) Let's read a little bit more before we finish. Is that all right? Is this good stuff? This is, I'm, all I'm doing is reading you some scripture, but as I'm reading it to you, you're getting filled with the oil because you're meditating on it, you're thinking on it, you're responding to it. Why do we do all this? Yes, amen, that's good. Go for it, Paul, because it's part of receiving the oil. It's, we're not, this is not a classroom. We, I'm preaching to you. Yes, there's teaching within it, but I'm preaching the word, I'm speaking the word, I'm declaring the word so that we together can receive from God. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. What's that mean? If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Sometimes the mirror gets very, very smudgy and dark and covered in dust. <laughs> and we just need to clean it off again. God's not going to be pointing his finger at you saying you haven't dusted, but he wants you to clean it so you can be close to him. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, and all that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, every realm of government, every principality and every authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. Okay, let's read that again. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness, everything of God. Every single thing of God is dwelling in Christ. All right, there's nothing of God that's not in Jesus. Now, this is important to get. You'll see why. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence. Okay? Even though you, us, were once distant from him, living in the shadows of evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. As you, you can't see it right now, but this oil isn't just pouring out on you. It's like there is a pipe connected to you. That as you spend time in his presence, the oil just fills you. It's not splashing everywhere. It's going over you and in you. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. Because you're worthy. Some people don't experience the presence of God because we can know about the experience of God, we can learn about the experience of God, but you're actually also supposed to experience the presence of God. You're supposed to feel it as well as know it. Imagine being married to a woman, guys, that you could never touch. You want to feel her. You can't be married. We are the bride of Christ and we're going to be married. The experience of God has to touch you. There are experiences of God. We don't seek just experiences of God, but they are a reality. And they're not something, oh, I shouldn't, I don't want to dwell on that. God loves you to experience His presence. It's why Jesus died. He didn't just die to give you a backstage pass to heaven, He died to be in relationship with you here on earth and in heaven. Now, there is nothing, because of all this, And because you dwell in his presence, there is now nothing between you and Father God. If You do this, you're touching Father God. There's nothing in the way. For he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. No wonder we have hope. No wonder we have confidence. You say, well, I, 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 I get these feelings, I get this depression, I get tempted in this way, I've got this sickness, I've not been very good at keeping my job down. Yes, that's all, that's all part of what you've been through. But God, through the blood of Christ, in his presence, you are holy, flawless, and restored. Nothing, None of that needs to hold you back in any way whatsoever because God has cancelled the sin and you live free from darkness in the light. When you became a Christian and you surrendered everything at the cross of Christ, you, you, you step on that into heaven. But so often Christians go back to the cross and pick a few things up again. Get rid of them. Not with wailing and sorrow and tears. You just drop them off. It doesn't take very long. The only thing that makes it take long is because we don't want to let go of it. Continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. So you have, you see in Christ all the fullness of God, but then you know that Christ lives in you, and you live in Christ. So all the fullness of God dwells in Deborah. All the fullness of God dwells in Sally. All the fullness of God dwells in Ron. Ah, What hope does that give us? All the fullness of God dwells in Robin. We focus on us and God says focus on me. Every time we dwell about us our, on ourselves, we end up wandering into darkness. And God says, you're not made for darkness, you're made for the light. Stop looking at the failure and rejoice in my success. Outside of Christ, you'll never succeed. You'll never be good enough. It'll never happen. But in Christ, he will enable it and you can give thanks to him. There is a divine mystery. Do you want to know what it is? Everybody loves secrets. (laughs) There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now, this is Paul writing when he's alive, of course, it is being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. What is it then? What is this divine mystery? This is it. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know about it. That is the divine mystery. Pre-Jesus, nobody knew in full, that was going to happen. You get hints of it. You get, well, you, get, you get the full story, really, in the Old Testament, but it took eyes of revelation to see it. The mystery is Christ is in you. The mystery is all the treasures of hope are within you. There is the riches of God's glory. Christ is our message. Hallelujah. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. Paul says, it's become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of the perfect one of Jesus Christ and the fact that we are the perfect ones in Jesus Christ. You are worthy. You are worthy. Stop listening to those other voices. Stop listening to the news, the social media. But most importantly, stop listening to your own thoughts that try to bring you down. You are worthy. You are not in darkness. You are light. You are chosen. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a home of the living God. The living God dwells in you. The fullness of God dwells in you. The riches of God are inside you. All the riches of his glory are part of who you are. You are an amazing person. You are a special person. You are a chosen person. You are beautiful. You are glorious. You are wonderful. There is nothing wrong in you. God sees no flaws because you have been washed with the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross so that you don't have to live a life dying every day to yourself, but you live a life of giving yourself to God. That is freedom. So let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, oh, are you feeling a little bit good with that Bible reading? Because yeah. we should, you know, we should read this, and at the end of it, we're like, oh. that, "That's how you're supposed to feel, not." Oh. You know, some people read the word and they leave it going, oh. but we're supposed to read it we're going, yeah. <laughs> "Yeah, yes, that's me. Look at this man here, glorious, filled with the treasures of heaven." Wow. We should look at Alex and go, well, he'd like this though. But <laughs> we should look at Alex and go, wow, that's amazing. Look what Jesus has done with this wretch. <laughs> amazing grace just popped into my mind that him <laughs> saved a wretch like me. <laughs> but it's true. It's amazing. And we tend to look at other people and think, well, yeah, I can see that they're safe. They're nice people. None of us are nice. The great secret is none of us are nice apart from God. We are part of fallen humanity. It's the good stuff that we do apart from Christ. Yeah, look at the world. There's, there's lots of people doing good things. But if we want to see the fruitfulness of God and his good things, we surrender. And then you can't take any of the credit. It's him although God will reward you. it's Kind of good, isn't it? God enables you. You do what God enables you, and then he rewards you. <laughs> That's another day. Let's trust God, shall we? Let's walk in faith, not fear. You know, our friends around, around us might be wittering on about all kinds of stuff. Let's not, let's not join in the fear talk. Our hope is in him. Our hope is in God. It's a certain and secure hope. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Have an absolutely awesome week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.